everyone and welcome to the riverfront this is episode number 481 of the world's most dangerous podcast where we discuss the cincinnati reds and occasionally jeff branson i'm your host chad dotson with me this week my guy nate how are you nate chadwick you handsome devil i am wonderful cincinnati reds are playing a pretty brand of baseball of late the taylor swift tour is going swimmingly how could i possibly be any better well i'll say this you know every week we talk about where the reds are in the standings this has been a thing we've done here for weeks and every week i'm basically like we did it another week where the reds are not in last place and i will say this the reds are not in last place but last week i wasn't here on the on the show and the reds were in last place so i, I am the I'm the lucky charm. I can't leave the podcast ever again is what I'm saying. Well, we're recording this with an inning to go in uh, the Thursday night game. I just want to say that since you missed last episode, the Reds have not lost a game. It's true. Not yet. I mean, we're what are we, eight, bottom of the eighth right now as we are recording this. The Reds have yet to lose a game since last episode. Any and coincidence that it was a tie until right about the time you logged on? I don't know. I don't uh, know. All right. Okay. So, so uh, I say that uh, we're only in last place when you are hosting without me. But um, uh, you've you've come back at me with a, a pretty good argument uh, on your own. But <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Nate. Before we dive what are too you deep, talking about last week. I wasn't able to make it for reasons related to family obligations. And so Nate and Tim Daniel from Late Night Reds and Carlos Guevara did a wonderful uh, episode, except for this. Nate, you literally, and you you know me as well as anyone on earth. You literally waited until I was gone and you did a movie draft episode without, you know what I think about movies. You know, I'm a little obsessive about it. How could you do that to me? How in the world could you do that to me? That's all I have to ask you. And why would you do that to me? Listen, the uh, the Reds weren't playing too great at that time. You wouldn't know that if you've been on Twitter lately. And I needed to come up with something to talk about. I get a little bit nervous sitting in the host chair. You know, you've, uh, you've left some, some pretty big shoes to fill. So I just thought about it. it. seemed like a fun gimmick. And then I realized you had 479 episodes to do a movie draft, and you didn't. It's my fault. <laughs> well, it's a but good it was episode. A, it was a lot of fun, man. Carlos and Tim brought the thunder. I think Carlos got the uh, the fan consensus vote on having the best draft. I might disagree, but it was it was strong. So fun yeah, times all around. Between, Thanks to those guys. Yeah, no, if you haven't listened to it yet, that's a great one to go back and listen to because there's some red talk about what was happening last week, but most of that is it wasn't a great week that week. Um, but it was fun. It was a good. It was a good idea. I hate that I wasn't involved. I will say this: uh, I thought it was pretty close between you and Carlos. Uh, I love Tim, but once Tim had the ice cold take that Hoosiers yeah. is overrated, when he said that, I was like, "I'm out. I'm out, Tim. I'm sorry. I love you. I love late night Reds every Sunday night, nine o'clock p.m. right here at the Riverfront." But when he said that, I was like, "Are you crazy? Are you crazy?" Yeah. I almost had to put him on uh, podcast probation for that one. That was that was tough, Tim. That was a rough one, but uh, but we live anyway. I thought, yeah, I thought it, no, it was, it was a fun episode. Now we do actually we're going to get started with some viewer mail earlier in this episode than usual because we do have a viewer mail question related to that. Our friend Eric Market, Eric Market, 
His question is this. These questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. By the way, Nate, we got a new uh, patron tonight, and uh, I haven't invited him to the Slack channel yet because I just walked in the door. You and I have been enjoying some Greek food tonight. Indeed. uh, Well, um, looking forward to a new member of the the softball team. We've been been slacking lately. We need some new energy, some new blood. Absolutely. So we'll get to that. uh, at some point. But anyway, Eric Market. Chad, since Nate chose to stick it to his brother, thank you, Eric. You're loyal. Eric, you are a loyal member of the family. Nate did stick it to me. What would have been your picks for the baseball movie draft? Um, okay, so again, we're going to run through this quickly because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here. But Nate, what are the categories? Give me the, I, I have not done any preparation here, but I know some, a thing or two about movies. It's best baseball movie. Okay. Um, go ahead. Best baseball movie. Clearly, is Field of Dreams. Now I know we're not in a draft, so I, I know it was taken, but Field of Dreams, best baseball movie. Although, if we'd been in the draft, I would have taken one that none of you all took, and it would have been the baseball documentary by Ken Burns, which I've watched mm. at least twenty times. Um, that's where I would have gone. So I think that qualifies. But anyway, go ahead. What's the next category? Best player, best fictional player, best fictional player. Oh boy, I'm probably going to go Roy Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Roy Hobbs here. Um, as went undrafted. Person. Went undrafted. I noticed that. Probably, I think it's where I'm going to go. Roy Hobbs from The Natural. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, next up was best scene. Best scene. Um, the best scene is in A League of Their Own when they are, I guess this is a scene, but they're doing like the documentary, the newsreel footage of the women's professional baseball, girls, uh, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And they're introducing you to Dottie Henson and her kid sister, Kit. And then they, and they're, you know, showing them. And then they go, and Marla Hooch, what a player. And they're like a hundred feet back. <laughs> the camera's like a hundred <laughs> feet back on Marla Hooch. That's the best scene in a baseball movie. The, the newsreel footage from A League of Their Own. <laughs> Marla Hooch was uh, also my wild card for best player. If, <laughs> if I needed somebody to spice up the draft a little bit. Marla Hooch could hit, man. She could hit. She mashes. <laughs> the rest could um, use her, frankly. Um, next up was uh, Best Fictional Coach. This is where I think Carlos really took the draft right here. He uh, took my number one. The guy that I wanted more than anybody else in the whole draft in any category. Who did Carlos take? Jimmy Dugan. Also from a League of Their oh, Own. Yeah. League of, League yeah. of Their Own getting a lot of love. Yeah, Jimmy Dugan's good, but the one that you all talked about briefly, but no one I think actually selected is, and I can't even remember his name, but it's the, uh, I think the pitching coach from uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, talked about Garden Hoser and, you know, Doofenshmitzer <laughs> or whatever it was. Uh, play, Daniel, Daniel Stern, yeah. Daniel Stern, yeah. That's yeah. the best fictional coach. Garden Hoser. What was, that, what was, the, what was the player's name actually? Uh, Rowan Gardner? Run-a- Rowan Gardner. Run a mucker. Rosenbagger. Water Hoser. <laughs> Dumb gag, but that's a fun All right. What else Uh, do we have? Last Uh, thing was um, just wild card. It could be anything baseball related. It could be a movie. It could be a player. It could be something, a scene of a movie that just had something baseball related in it. Okay. There's actually one you forgot. Let me go ahead and do that quickly. It's best uh, Costner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so best Costner has got Field of Dreams again. So wild card, wild card. Um, you know, one that you all didn't mention was Eight Men Out. I don't think you all mentioned Eight mm-hmm. Men Out at all. And so it did not come up. That's my wild card. Eight Men Out is a great movie. John Cusack can't play ball, but 
He was good as Buck Weaver, the third baseman. That's a great movie. That's a great movie if you haven't seen Eight Men Out. Great book, too. So anyway, okay. Uh, that's a, That was a fun draft, and I'm still – I probably will never forgive you for doing well, that. Well, you know, it came, it came down to the best Costner category. There's only three. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Somebody got stuck with uh, For the Love of the Game, um, which – I know was 10. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. But again, that was not the worst of Tim's picks. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Nate, um, all right, enough of that. Let's talk about the week that was for the Reds. Again, it's I'm, I'm looking now. It's the top of the ninth. The Reds are losing. It was 2-2 two to two a minute ago, but now it's 8-2. to two. The Reds are losing. But still, at this point, the Reds, undefeated week. Undefeated week since you were here last. Um, just sort of, uh, again, this team kind of comes – you get down on them and then they'll have some dumb week like this where, Oh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, at, at this moment, they took all three against the Cubs. They swept the Cubs at Wrigley, which yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Swept the Cubs at Wrigley and had a chance to sweep the Red Sox at Fenway tonight. looks like they're going to uh, not do that. But at the moment we're recording this, they're only three games under they're in third place, three games out of first place. What a time to be alive. It's just, I love it. What are your thoughts about the week that was? I mean, starting in Chicago, you have to lead off with Hunter Green, just showing everybody what we've been saying all along, what everybody knows, but for some reason, a certain sector of Reds Twitter refuses to admit he is a stallion. He's a stud horse. He goes, what was it? Strikes out 11, uh, six innings, 11, that's 11 Ks, 110 pitches. The Reds won 9-0. It was his first win of the season which I thought was pretty cool. Um, also in that series, Jonathan India had a two-game. Matt McClain had a four-hitter, had a hitting streak. That started just before that series, but it's still going as of today. Um, just contributions up and down the lineup, up and down the bullpen. It was, it was just beautiful baseball. It really, you know, again, if you can divorce all the Castellini nonsense that we've dealt with and – the if you look at the payroll and the Reds have like a payroll of I don't know twenty seven dollars and thirteen cents if you can kind of just get away from that and just focus on what we saw in the field in that Cubs series that's as much fun as I've had in a long time with this team uh, it's the Cubs number one and beating the Cubs is always fun but also you know the Reds are inching closer to first place in this garbage division um, and 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 it was a perfect kind of microcosm to me of what you and I have said over and over this season, which is this team may not be good, but they're fun. They are fun. And, and it, again, if you can kind of divorce the Silva team, Bob stuff that we've, you know, that's been our, uh, yeah, we, we, we're, <laughs> we're at fault there, but. Well, also uh, let's, let's make it clear. We still want Bob to sell the team. Oh, well, without question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you can forget that for just a moment, um, I don't know how to describe, I don't know how, you know how you can explain how a team can be bad but fun. It doesn't seem. It, well, you, it doesn't you seem have possible. to. You have to make sure you're putting things into context here. I mean, they are. They're bad compared to the rest of the league, but compared to most Reds teams, like this is this is in the upper half of of <laughs> your lifetime success, and, and but definitely <laughs> talent. Um, the uh, the style of play, the energy, the uh, the emotion. This team never gives up, never quits. They're coming from behind, it seems like, every other game. Um, somebody else stepping up. For some reason, Kevin Newman might be the hottest player on the entire team right now. It's just been a wild season. 
but it's been way more fun than um, we certainly ever would have imagined. That's for sure. No, I think that's it. By the way, Kevin Newman tonight, they lost their, it's official now the Reds lost eight to two. So they only take two of three. It's uh, a <laughs> six games on the road. The Reds only won five of six in the two of the uh, historic ballparks, but Kevin Newman, three for four, two doubles and RBI. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know how you can bring Ellie De La Cruz up when you have Kevin Newman playing shortstop, but that's a conversation we'll have later. No, I, I, I constantly think that this whole art, this discussion of, well, they're bad, but they're fun, is a function of us being beaten down so much over the years by the bad play that, well, we know they're going to be bad. They've been bad most of the last two, three decades. I almost said two decades. It's actually... It's actually more. three decades, yeah. Um, and so if you just assume they're going to be bad, well, if can they be entertaining to us and this team? Uh, yeah, I don't want to overstate what they are because they are what they are. But there's a bunch of guys I love to root for. And They're so likable. They really are. And and there's that element of, as much as I don't want to be a prospect hugger, but you have that little bit of hope because there are some guys coming up through. So I don't know. It's uh, they're well, not way you shake it. Who cares about what the uh, you know their record is, where they stand relative to five hundred? But they're only a handful of games out of the playoffs. I don't care about anything else. They they don't make the playoffs very much. So I don't care if they are forty games under five hundred. If the Central's that bad and it gets the Reds in the playoff series, I'm tuning in. I'm there every single day. Fire it up. Let's go, boys. And you can see the pieces falling into place too. That's it. The culture has come around, so it looks like a winning culture, even if the product on the field isn't quite there yet. The young guys are their biggest contributors right now, guys that are going to be here for a long time. And then the guys that are knocking on the door right behind them are busting down the door. Yeah. No, it's, that's that's absolutely it. You know, I think about that 2021 team where the Reds were not good. They barely finished above 500, but uh, – number one, they did finish above 500. But – and they really didn't go all the way into the season really truly competing for a, a, a spot in the playoffs. But the Reds were in September – playing meaningful baseball. They still, at the beginning of September, they still had a chance. And I'm just going to assume the Reds are not going to be good for the rest of my life. And at my advanced stage, that's not much longer. Uh, but you can give me that's fun to watch until September. I, I'll take mm-hmm. it because, you know, um, I just want a competitive team. I don't even need a World Series. I'm not, you know, unlike you, I'm I've had a one. World Series. Like <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I'd love it. I need, but. Okay, I need, I need one. <laughs> But this is but you you hit on the big point, which is that the players that we're rooting for here are not like so many of the awful days of the Castellini regime, where you have guys that have a even guy like you know Nixon Zell, who's probably not a part of the future. I don't know. You can. It's not. It's not He's like been Barry Bonds again. Barry Bonds against some, lefties all season long, and he's playing a slick third base. And left field now, all of a sudden, strangely, he's been playing more left field than the last few mm. days. I wonder if they have something else going on third base. But, yeah, no, I mean, you can kind of squint see that he could be a part of the team instead of some, you know, Matt Reynolds type. You know, you know, some 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 journeyman guy. And they still have some of those guys. But nobody really that they're really truly counting on other than maybe Kevin Newman. But even that's – how much is Kevin playing Matt McCoy out here? Um, I don't know. It's just – it's uh, – they're uh, – I was I did a, a radio spot on uh, ESPN fifteen thirty in Cincinnati this past week, and the the term that I used that I you know just sort of came to me was fun but flawed, and I think it's a good way to talk about him. But as long as you have that first part, fun, sign me up. I, I'm 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 there. 
All right. Um, for hanging out with me on the weekends. <laughs> Let's talk about a little bit about the, quickly about the first two games in Boston. Um, the, that first game, the Reds are up eight nothing, and um, I'm at my son's. My son is playing baseball in the regional semifinals. This is high school baseball, and it's a big deal to high school baseball players. The regional semifinals they lost, um, which was sad, but. I'm so I'm watching on my phone while I'm watching this game, and Jose Barrero smashes a grand slam. The Reds are up eight nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this may be the greatest team in the history of Cincinnati sports at that <laughs> at that particular moment. And then of course they won. What did they win? Nine eight <laughs> after that. But yeah, they made us made us sweat. They did. But just very briefly, I want to get your take because you have been consistent all season long. I want to see Barrero playing. I don't know that he has anything. I'm not counting on it. But why not use this year to find out? What are your thoughts on Barrero? Because you kind of look up at his at his numbers and they're not great, but he's taking walks more than he used to. He, uh, you know, um, his on base percentage is not it's just three fourteen now, but it's you know 80, 90 points higher than his batting average. And I want to believe I don't believe in Jose Barrero. Let me just say that. But uh, I, I guess I want to know your thoughts because you've been banging that drum. My thought more than anything is that Jose Barrero has talent. He has so much talent. Um, if I had to bet a large sum of money on whether he pans out and is a uh, an above average major league professional, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that. I would say probably not because it hasn't looked good. But he has potential to be something at least somewhat special. And because that potential is there, and because the front office has proven to us by the uh, you know the bullpen they put together, not the bullpen, the uh, the rotation that they're not trying to win. The fact that Ellie David Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand are not on the major league roster, they're not going out trying to compete for a playoff spot right now. The players in the field are, but the front office is not. So if that's the case, can we at least use this time to see what we have in a guy like Jose Barrero, who's young, full of talent, full of potential, and maybe, maybe just might be a part of the future? Now Kevin Newbin has been playing great. He's the hottest hitter on the team, and he's looked, by and large, somewhat above average. He's been fine. But he should not be taking plate appearances away from a guy that could be a part of the future and could be something special. And if if, if you're going to try to go for it and Jose Barrero is just not playing, then okay, I'm fine with it. Benching, if you need to get you know, just a few at-bats from somebody consistent, that somebody's going to do an adequate job, and that's Kevin Newman because you're in a playoff push, okay. You don't need to convince me. But if you're not going to do that, then Jose Barrero should be in the field somewhere four, five, six days a week, just yeah. so we know. And if we get to September and his numbers are still somewhere, you know, batting average on the Mendoza line, then all right, we cut bait. No harm, no foul. Going but we know. Year, yeah, we'll know for sure. Yeah. No, I, and but well, here's the here's the thing that I have to say here. Something, something we used to talk about in the first 300 episodes of this show a lot, which is which of these guys on the roster has a chance of being a part of the next good Reds team? Kevin Newman, whatever you think about him, I'm not here to criticize Kevin Newman. He's not going to be on the next good Reds team. He's just not. Um, you know, Will Myers has been garbage. I still think he can be a guy that they maybe it's getting it's getting late in the day to for him to perform to so that we can deal him off or something, but he's not gonna be on the next good Reds team. Jose Barrero, frankly, is probably not gonna be on the next good Reds team. Probably not. But he could. Because mm -hmm. I tell you what I've seen. He's not gonna be an infielder. 
on the next good resident. He's just not. There's no spot on the infield where there's not a better option. And in some, in some places, two better options. Um, but I watch him out in center field, and he's flawed. Man, you can see he's got the athleticism. Can he be enough of a hitter that he could survive as a center fielder, a good defensive center fielder because he's athletic enough to do it? I don't know. I don't think so. I wouldn't bet the ranch on it. But why don't we find out now? Because I do see some signs that he can play the position defensively uh, as he learns it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and there are some encouraging things. And he's still he's still a kid. He's still young. He's still yeah. Yeah, he's 20, 25 years old. Um, we know what Kevin Newman is. We have no idea what Jose Barrero is. Right. Well, but we're we starting can, to get an we, idea. Yeah, we are now. And we can certainly find out by September if the Reds want to. Right. Yeah. So, um, so anyway. But that Grand Slam, that Grand Slam, though, was one of the uh, – my happiest moments of the season so far. I got so fired up for that guy watching him and Will Benson hugging in the dugout. Will Benson, who also famously uh, had some struggles on the big stage to start the season, also playing really well. We'll get to that soon. Um, love that moment. Love that for them. You kind of hope that maybe that was the you know the thing that was going to sort of lead to better production from Jose, but then he had a really really rough day at the plate today. So maybe maybe that wasn't it. Right, but again, yeah, I was I was happy to see it. Um, also, uh, the most predictable thing ever was Game Two. Uh, Buck Farmer gets the save, big save for Buck Farmer. Nate, I know you are a charter member, a fully paid member of the Buck Farmer fan club. How excited were you for that? I thought they must have been playing a replay from some other part in the series, <laughs> or, or maybe last season or something. I saw Buck Farmer coming in. Like, this can't be happening. But hey, man, he uh, he came down, he got it done. I, Saw the stat that the um, the final out, the um, fly ball to center field by Rafael Devers was the hardest hit ball of the game. I think the farthest ball of either team. So uh, the Reds did not allow us to go quietly into that good night. It was uh, it was a stressful one. That's okay. They got they got okay. the win and and got they did. Yeah, they got it done. They didn't tonight which uh, happens, but again, I will take a week like this. Uh, again, it was, was fun the, to watch them. Before this series, when was the last time the Reds won a series in Boston? Uh, I don't think Boston they, at all. Yeah, I don't think they ever have, and that's what I said. I think this was probably the most exciting series victory that I've ever seen over the Boston Yeah, Red you're Sox. probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, it is certainly is in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I. I was a, a wee lad of one year old, I think, uh, the last time. But no, probably the 75 series was uh, a little bit better. But no, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. That's all I can ask for. Great week. Happy. Um, can we can we kind of swerve into what I think probably, to me, was the topic of the week? Because I know that the entire discourse around Cincinnati Reds baseball revolves around what I write about the Reds. Um, but it turns out a couple other places wrote about this as well, uh, unbeknownst to me. But. I want to talk a little bit about first base because Spencer Steer has been good. Spencer Steer is one of the top two or three rookie of the year candidates in the National League right now. If you go look at the numbers, I have you know, he started out had a, had a good first couple of weeks, struggled for a little while. But if you go look at his numbers, uh, you know not include not including tonight, but um, Spencer Steer, you know. 289 average, 356 on base, 498 slug. He leads the team with eight home runs. He's second on the team with 28 uh, ribeye stakes. Um, second on the team with 14 doubles. Uh, Spencer Steer, we had this conversation in the preseason when the projections 
said he's gonna be good. And we were like, really? That's great. And he's again, he's not a superstar. He's not even necessarily the best hitter on the team right now, but he's one of the top two or three hitters. He's been great. He's playing first base now, almost primarily. Before this season, he had played a total of 17 innings of first base, as far as I can tell in his entire life. <laughs> he had, he's never been a first baseman. He's been a second baseman. He's been a third baseman. He even played some shortstop in the minor leagues. Um, and I think he can be a, a perfectly cromulent third baseman defensively, and maybe even a second baseman defensively, but he's at first base now. So anyway, I wrote a piece about Spencer Steer where I was basically bragging on him and talking a little bit about his, uh, his history, you know, some things that I didn't really know about Spencer Steer, uh, I, as I as I kind of got into looking at his his history and where he came from, and um, and you know when he was when he was drafted, it's a it's a little bit like I, the Jonathan India story. He's a guy that, we, as we've detailed here on the show many times, India drafted first round. Steer was third round, but um, didn't look great before that 2020 COVID season alternate site and. The evidently in the Minnesota Twins organization, there's some chatter. Oh my goodness, he's made a change in his swing. He's hit because he, he only hit 12 home runs total in three years at um, in college at the University of Oregon. You know, um, he's already got eight this year. Um, he came back from that COVID year, he changed his swing, more power, and that's when he became a different guy. He was projected to be maybe a utility guy at the best at the big league level by Baseball America when he was drafted. So Really interesting story here that I think a lot of Reds fans don't know because he wasn't. He came over from the Twins organization um, in the, uh, I guess, the Tyler Malley trade, and um, and now he's a, a a real potential part of the next good Reds team. So I made the point that he's playing well. He's not a first baseman. He's doing. He's fine there. But when Joey Votto comes back, it's Joey Votto's position. Joey Votto gets it back, and I got absolutely destroyed by people saying Joey Votto needs to retire. This is Spencer Steer's position now. So Spencer Steer versus Joey Votto. Nate, do you have any thoughts about, uh, you know, what the Reds should do? If, if Votto's ready in two weeks from now or three weeks from now, where are we? What do we do? I'll let you take it from there. I have some thoughts, but this is a family show, so I can't, uh, I can't say what I want to say. Um, I posted my, theory on what this lineup will look like here in a few weeks. And I did that assuming Joey Votto is going to be back because I think he will be back uh, relatively soon, whenever that is, who knows. Joey Votto should get to write out the lineup card. If he wants to be in first base every single day when he comes back, he needs to be in first base every single day. I don't understand what is up with this section of Reds fandom where they just forget about the best player the Reds have had in – 40 years. I, it, it makes no sense. They've already moved on. Oh, it's time for Jody, Jody retires. The young guy's turn. Get out of here, man. That guy sat there and gave everything for this team that did nothing to support him. He can say as long as he wants. He should be in the lineup. As you said so many times, and it's so true, we're never going to doubt him on here. Joey Votto yeah. is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he still has time to go. He's not ready to retire which means he wants to keep playing baseball. And if you want that to be for a team other than the Reds, we can't be friends. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I got some thoughts, man. I'm mad about this. You're, yeah, no, you're exactly right. Again, my Cincinnati Magazine column this week was about Spencer Steer. But then my my newsletter piece that I write it 
again, if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter, chaddotson.com, go there. It's free. I mean, come on. Um, it's garbage. You don't want to read this nonsense in your inbox. Why it's, it's free. free. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's worth every penny you pay for it. But I felt like I had to come back and defend Joey Votto from the slander because uh, here's an example. One guy was like, Votto's not been good in years. It's time for the kids. And I, and I said, it's literally been 18 months since he was the best hitter on the team. It's been 18 months. And in the meantime, he was injured. Yeah, his shoulder was screwed up in the meantime. The last time he was healthy was 18 months ago, and he was literally the best hitter on the team. So you can get out of here with these takes that, you know, Joey Votto's done. He may be done. I'm not going to believe it until he says he's done. And whether it's first base, DH, whatever, he's in the lineup every single day until he says he doesn't want to be. He's earned that. And some of that sentimentality for me, but some of that is also that he's earned that right because yeah. when he's been, when he's been healthy, when has he been bad? Rarely in his career. So I know he's seventy-two years old. I get it, but uh, get out of here. Looks Go looks ahead. great for seventy-two though. He does. He does just to um, just to put a bow on the Spencer Steer thing. Um, I've heard this elsewhere, so I looked into stats a little bit, and the Ben Zobris vibes. For somebody like Spencer Steer, I think are just too good. I look at his uh, 2009 season for the Rays when he was an all-star, got some MVP votes, finished eighth in the MVP voting, actually. Ben Zobers played every position on the field except for pitcher and catcher. He was in the lineup almost every game, and he played all those positions adequately. I, he's not winning any gold gloves. But I think something like that for Spencer Steer with the young athletic talent the Reds have in the organization right now will allow him to stay in the lineup and be there as much as he wants to. Yeah, I think Reds fans don't really know what they have in Steer yet because the only thing they've seen is mostly is just him playing mostly first base this year, some third base last year. Uh, he's not played a ton of outfield, very little in the big leagues. There's no question he's athletic enough. He's more athletic than you would think from a guy that's been playing primarily first base. Um, he could play shortstop at the big league level. Now, he, he's not a starting shortstop. But he's as much of a starting shortstop as Kyle Farmer was. If if he needed him to play, <laughs> I know I'm stepping into one there. But um, he's he's not a guy that I ever want to play shortstop for the Reds. Unfortunately, the Reds have 17 shortstops, and that's not going to happen. But he could in a pinch. But third base, second base could be fantastic. And there's no doubt in my mind he could play left field, right field. Uh, I mean, you know, it's he'll have to he'll have to he'll need some practice. But there's no doubt in my mind he's athletic enough to do it. So. He's a guy that could play DH, first base, second base, third base, left field, right field potentially. He's not actually played left field, but that might be a spot where he ends up. Um, he has played a tiny bit of right field. Um, and so, yeah, and he's got a bat that plays in the big leagues. So um, if, uh, you know, we always talk about Zobris. It's like, kind of like the, the, the platonic ideal of a utility guy, a guy that's actually good can actually contribute at the plate, but it can also play passably at a bunch of positions. And that may be where he ends up. That may be what the Reds need. We've kind of talked about Nixon Zelby and that guy, uh, maybe developing into that guy because he's playing around the diamond. But really, that could be Spencer Steers' future. I think you're right. Spencer Steers has shown a willingness to play multiple positions. No complaints. Just goes out there and does it. And he has now put up an extended period of offensive success that is longer than anything Nixon Zell has done to date. Watch I will not listen to Nick Sinzel slander here. Oh, that's not it's not Sinzel slander. That's spear support. There we go. Hashtag Remember, alliteration. 
<laughs> remember when he was Christian Encarnacion steer in spring training? Remember that? Yeah, only longtime listeners of the show will remember that uh, goof uh, that somebody made on here. All right, so uh, weekly update. Let's go ahead and do this before we get into some of the other news of the week. The big three. We every up every week we update the big three starting pitchers. Of course, we're talking about Ben Lively, Luke Weaver. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> Hunter Green, Nicoladolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Nate, I'm going to give you the Nicoladolo update, and then I'll let you yep. give me the Hunter Hunter Green update. No, I, I'm yep. I'm doing Nicoladolo. Okay, nothing, nothing to talk about. Um, Nicoladolo didn't pitch this week because he's still hurt, and it makes me sad. So yeah, I think I saw just a couple hours ago that. Um, David Bell said he's still in a walking boot and will be for a couple more weeks. So he's still on that scooter. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Hunter Green. Hunter Green, on the other hand, Chad has pitched. And Um, well, we talked a little bit about his start against the Cubs. Six innings pitched, 11 strikeouts, zero count it, zero hits. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Reds won that game 9-0. He was just painting the edges with that fastball. When he's locating like that, he is nearly untouchable, or as that zero hits will show you, literally untouchable. Well, he followed that up with another game tonight. As we are recording, he went six innings pitched, eight more strikeouts, two hits allowed, uh, three walks, gave up one run. I saw some people. I didn't get to watch the game. Like I said, we were, we were feasting on Greek food. But... I saw people putting earn run in quote marks, so we'll get to the bottom of that tomorrow. But that is 37 strikeouts in his last four starts, 23 innings. Um, his ERA is now below four, 3.92. Before tonight, his FIP was 3.62, so the advanced stuff says he's been even better than that. And going into tonight, he had a 114 ERA+. plus. I just want to say, enjoy this, Reds fans. We should be talking about Hunter Green and what he's doing at 23 years old, more than we're talking about Matt McClain. More than we're talking about Spencer Steer, and maybe even more than we're talking about Elliot David Cruz. What he has been doing is it's incredible and it's it's not unprecedented, but fairly precedented. The guy's been has been nails. Wrong. You're wrong. You're absolutely Jeez. wrong. More incorrect have, than you've ever been here. Nate stop me he before gave, my rant. <laughs> he gave up no hits and couldn't get out of the sixth inning. I've been reliably told that he's a bust because he couldn't Get out of the sixth inning with his no hitter. Um, no, they're, no, they're moving. They're moving the goalpost. It was always he can't get out of the fifth. Now right. he's in the sixth, like four starts in a row. So now he can't get out of the sixth. Okay, so next week or the week after, he may struggle again. He may have another bad start or two or three. But something that we're going to maybe talk about with Ashcraft, Graham Ashcraft, in a minute, which is, and with Matt McClain. At some point, Matt McClain's going to hit a wall. The league's going to adjust to him, and he's going to struggle. The question with these kids is, can they? then adjust. And if you can't, then you're a garden. Hunter Green's still going to be a garden variety starting pitcher. He'll be a number three pitcher somewhere. If he can't adjust, he's he's an ace. He's an all-star. And so that's why this week was interesting to me. Not that the Cubs and the Red Sox are the 1927 Yankees. But uh, again, as we always say, the the guys holding the bats, they drive Mercedes too. They get paid to play baseball too. The Red Sox have a winning record in the toughest division in the game. Like they're they're not nobody. Exactly right. So um, again, this whole season for me with Hunter Green is not about the results. I'm going to get excited when they are good results like we've seen this week. But it's it's the push and pull. It's the can he 
Can he adjust? Can he learn? And there's no question that this kid is learning every single out. Now, he has to have a reliable third pitch. Yes, obviously. Um, but I don't know. Again, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself every week. There's just there's nothing about what we've seen from him this year that anyone should be disappointed about. And those of you on the stupid social medias that are are not in love with Hunter Green, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He's he's just adorable. The he's same just... people that are uh, furious. He is adorable. The same people <laughs> that are furious at Hunter Green for not going past the sixth. Sure don't mind very much when Ben Lively throws five and two thirds of two run ball. <laughs> exactly. You right. Take that information and do whatever you want to do with that. But well, that's because Hunter. Yeah, because Hunter Green's supposed to be a super superstar, and he needs to be that right now. And if he's not, he's a bust. Um. I guess we should talk about Graham Ashcraft a little bit. I'll yeah. just, <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, five innings pitch, three earned runs, five hits, six Ks, three walks. Uh, he battled. He battled, but uh, again, the same thing we just said about uh, Hunter Green's is what I'm looking for for Ashcraft. Is he going to be able, the league's adjusted, and you're seeing some signs that he's adjusting back, but it's, you know, he's a young pitcher, so it's going to be fits and starts, but. Um, I don't know. It's it's more of a struggle with him because he's not Hunter Green. No one's Hunter Green. So, any thoughts about your guy uh, Graham Ashcraft, the hefty boy? Briefly, still my guy. Um, still the president of the Graham Ashcraft fan club. You know, all three of the runs he allowed in his last start were on one home run by Patrick Wisdom, who hits a lot of home runs. The guy's really good at hitting the ball very far. Now, I'm really excited to see what he does next series against Milwaukee because if this team is going to take advantage of this middling NL Central, then they're going to need a few prolonged stretches of decency from Graham Ashcraft. So if you can put together back-to-back back-to-back starters that are perfectly adequate for the number three guy in your rotation, then I'm going to be super pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, without question. Uh, again, it's nothing to be concerned about or worried. Are you worried about Graham Ashcraft? That's what people will ask. No, I'm not worried. He's a, he's a kid, um, a couple years older than Hunter Green, but still a kid with not a lot of experience. He's going to learn and – uh, and you're right, he gave up the home run to Wisdom, and but looked really good after that. And he did something that he's kind of struggled with. We've noticed mm-hmm. on here, which is, you know, you have a bad moment and then you lose focus. He didn't. He came right back. And so, again, in this season where it's it's we're trying to learn some things, I'm okay with where, where Graham Ashcraft is this time. All right, so that's the big three update. Nate, um, the other big news of the week, you heard about this guy, Matt McClain. Dreamy. He's a dream boat. McLean. How, you know, you come to the big leagues after tearing up AAA. You immediately ingratiate yourself to, to, to fans like us when you get a hit in your debut and it should have been a single by all right, but he turns it into a double out of his, well, his athletic, his athleticism and, and sheer hustle. In his second week, his second week in the big leagues, Matt McLean was named National League Player of the Week. Seven games uh, against the Cardinals and the Cubs. Had it hit in every game, as Nate already mentioned. Got on base at least twice in every game. 15 for 31 in the week. That's a 484 average. Three doubles, two home runs, nine runs scored. 543 on base percentage. And let me just ask you this, uh, Nate. Is there anything Matt McLean can't do? What? I mean, this guy, 
man, I was low. I was low man on him. Not that I didn't believe in him, but I was waiting to see. But boy, I tell you what, I, I mean, he's adorable. Have I said that about anyone else? Matt McLean is adorable. Even the most optimistic uh, Rose Reds color glasses fans could not have predicted this start from Matt McLean. Um, during that week, he led the National League in hits, tied for the lead in runs scored, second in average, third in on-base percentage, third in total bases, sixth in doubles, seventh in RBIs. That's madness. If you want a little more, just a little, little sprinkle on top of the little ice cream, Matt McLean Sunday, since his Major League debut, on May 15th, McLean leads the Reds in on-base percentage and OPS, tied for the team lead in home runs, RBIs, and runs scored. On top of that, he ranks among the major league leaders in runs, tied for third, hits, tied for fifth, and on-base percentage sixth, batting average, and doubles, all since his promotion. His 19 hits since being called up, third most ever by a Reds player through his first 12 games, trailing only who? Do you know who uh, the other two are? Jay Bruce. Yes. Is that one of them? The, yeah. If you get this other one, then you are a nerd. Chris Steins. No. Uh, I don't know. Who is it? Sam Crawford. 1901. Sam? All right. Well, trivia time. What's uh, Sam Crawford's nickname? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Wahoo Sam Crawford. Wahoo, Sam Crawford. So, I am a nerd. I do know that. Wahoo. Oh, that's interesting. That's uh Yeah, so all those numbers also were before tonight when he had a game-tying single back when the game was close, um, tacking on to his what is now a 10-game hitting streak. So, yeah, pretty good, pretty good couple weeks for Mr. McLean. Boy, I tell you, you know, um, just a dream debut for this guy. And – uh, it's it's sort of the same thing we have talked about many times and that we just talked about with Hunter Green and Graham Ashcraft. The league will adjust to him. The, this, these guys are good. These players on the other teams are really good. And they're going to figure out what the holes are in his swing and, you know, can he adjust? That's what's fun about these guys that have a chance of being on the next good Reds team is that we get to watch that growth and development. And it's just there's something to hope for. And with him, he's given us everything to hope for. So, man, Matt McClain. Uh, thank you for for being a red and uh, and doing doing so well. I the problem that I have really is that Matt McLean is the only Reds prospect close to the big leagues that could really have an impact on this team. I wish there were some other guys that you might be able to call up. Um, yeah, but I don't see anyone. Pretty slim pickings down there. There is this one guy. <laughs> speaking of slim, that you may have heard of. You may have referred to him in the past as the next Billy Hamilton. <laughs> don't let, don't put that on him, uh, Ricky Bobby. Um, Ellie De La Cruz. Every night this guy does something else. Uh, you know, game-winning home run the other night. I don't know. I, there's, there's not enough superlatives to talk about Ellie De La Cruz. There's the no question. Go ahead. The, walk, the walk-off was... One of the best moments of the season. He was just dancing around the bases, busted out that gritty as he was coming around the home plate. There is a large contingent of Reds fans that are going to hate this guy when he's up well, that's there true. pimping home runs and fat flips and pimping walks. People are going to hate him, and, ah, man, pump it into my veins. This guy is doing insane things. 
best prospect of my lifetime. No question. Yeah, yeah. There is a certain segment that our uh, worship at the uh, at the altar of Pete Rose, who Pete Rose is a great player. I'm not, uh, you know, um, great man, no, but great player. The guys that Chris Steins, that type of player. Um, there's that segment. You can make what you want of those. They're gonna hate the pimping and the bat flips and all that. But my goodness, I. You know, Cincinnati Magazine, uh, we're doing a, a package, a sports package in the August issue of the print magazine. And so they asked, uh, you know, I had to write a, a piece about the next star for the Reds. And then our, our FC Cincinnati guy and our Bengals guy had to write a piece about the next star. And there's no question who I was going to write about, right? Nixon Zell. So I just recycled my old cover story about Nixon Zell and they didn't notice. Um, no, it's Ellie De La Cruz. It, you know, I, um, and, and what I said in that piece was this. He's the most exciting Reds prospect since Eric Davis. He uh, is, because there's nothing he can't do. He's got light tower power. He's got, he looks like Eric Davis with the, the, the jersey number and the, uh, you know, the he's thin as a rail. But he's got the power. He's got an arm. He, he's a legit shortstop defensively, you know. Um, he's now showing he can take a walk. He's got blazing speed. Uh, he plays his butt off, plays hard. That, that should be what the Chris Steins types love, right? He plays so hard, but he's going to flip a bat and everybody's going to be mad at him probably. But I just, I fear that we're, we're pumping him up too much because how can he live up to all this hype? But man, every other day he does something that I've never, well, that I've seen before, but not from one guy every other night. He's just, he's going to be my favorite player forever, I think. And I just can't wait for him to get here. And here's my thing. This goes back to what you said a, a little while ago about the Reds trying to win. We know they're not trying to win because there's no universe where if you're trying to win, Elvin David Cruz is one of the 25, 26 best players in the Reds organization. Period, point blank. He's one of the 25, 26 guys that could be on the big league, best guys that could perform on the big league level right now. Kevin Newman, thank you for your service. Ellie De La Cruz should be in Cincinnati. I hesitate to ding the Reds too much because they know things we don't about what he needs to develop, whatever, but I don't see it. And I've watched a lot of Reds baseball over the years. I've tried to analyze a lot of Reds baseball. I just can't wait. I want him up here tomorrow. I want him up here um, this weekend. And he's a guy that, I've said that I've I've been boycotting the Reds. I'm going to end the boycott briefly to watch Joey Votto if if and when Joey Votto comes back this year. But I want to be in the stadium to watch Ellie De La Cruz, and it's been a long time since I could say that. He 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 makes me forgive the Castellinis a little bit because I just want to watch him play. He's amazing. So anyway, any other thoughts about Ellie De La Cruz before we move on? Just to wrap it up, um, his main numbers. Slash 351, 462 on base with a 763 slugging, 10 home runs in the month, 28 RBIs, nine stolen bases, 20 walks in the month to 25 <laughs> strikeouts. What are we doing? He's so, he's so ridiculous that I hopped on Twitter right before we started recording to see what I had missed. And he struck out five times today, tonight. Oh, I didn't see that, so never mind. He struck, he, he struck out five times, and in all honesty, 100% serious, my first thought was they let him pitch. 
Five <laughs> <laughs> Ks. He's got a good slider. I immediately realized there was no way that was Coos. And he's like, oh, he just had a bad day. But like, he's so incredible. And he does so many mind-boggling things on a baseball field that my natural reaction was like, oh, this can only be a good thing. He must have been pitching. The guy's unreal. Well, what I love again, we're trying to we got it because we could spend an hour every single week talking about the the magic of Ellie De La Cruz. But they there was a conversation with him that I saw reported here uh, last week and a half or so about the fact that all of a sudden he started taking walks. Yeah, he he'd, he'd struck out and not barely walked early in the season. And I don't remember how, how the question was posed to him, but he basically said, "Well, they they wouldn't throw me strikes, so I just said, you know what, I'm not going to swing." At pitches outside of strikes anyway. I want to make him throw to me. And he's so good that even though he had been swinging at some things he probably shouldn't have, he could decide in his head, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And then he did it. <laughs> he immediately started drawing walks, forcing them to throw to him, and that's going to make him a better hitter down the road. I, again, I I can't wait to see this guy. I'm just I'm just desperately in love with him. He's He's, well... He's a comic book superhero. He's just a comic book superhero, and he's going to be a great red. Uh, quickly, Christian Encarcio Strand as well continues to mash baseballs to the moon in AAA. Why can't we get that guy up here? Yeah, did you see the one that he? Did you see the one he hit that was like over his head? It wasn't really, but this pitch is like in his eyes, and somehow he Tomahawk hit it to the moon. <laughs> yes, it still hasn't landed. Yeah, if um, Ellie wasn't doing what he was doing, we would all be going insane over what Christian Encarnacion Strand is doing. He's got a one dot in OPS. He's just hitting bombs every other night. I have some notes here. We don't need to get into that. We are going hard to the paint on time. But all I will say is that he is no longer being challenged at AAA. And whatever holes in his game, he needs to work him out at the big league level because he's, he's done everything he can do at AAA. Yeah, yeah. Elidale Cruz, Christian Anacostio Strand are the second and third best prospects that uh, uh, we've seen. Um, the best, of course, is Will Benson. Can I get we some should, Will Benson love? We should. we should talk a little bit about your boy, Will Benson. <laughs> How about three for five in the opening game of the uh, the Boston series with a triple? The guy can take a thousand walks, although he's not really – he actually has one walk. In the big leagues, I don't know how because it's all he did in AAA. Uh, he plays a he's athletic. Will Benson, he's better than Ella De La Cruz. That's the title of this episode. He's looked awfully good since he got called back up. So he only got one walk because he's barely played. But did you see his AAA numbers in May? Because yeah. if you didn't, I got him here for you. One point zero one point zero two six OPS led the team in walks, which is what he does. Um, the guy, he, he was batting like 260-something down there in May. What was it? I got it right here. 267, slugging 567. Whatever his little struggles were at the beginning, and they were heavy. Bad. It was bad. He looked terrified. Maybe he figured it out. And if he did, if he did figure that out, then we got a whole other series because you start building that future lineup out, and you don't put Will Benson there. But if he plays his way into a spot with the tools that he has, because he's electric when he's oh, on the base pass. Well, so it's why I fell in love with him this spring, and I and I wanted to believe, and uh, I've been gratified to see how he did when he w- was sent down. And early on, it was not great even in AAA, but he showed what I was hoping to see. Now, does it translate? Is he a, is he a you know quadruple A player? Is he not really quite a big leaguer? I don't know. He, I'd but, love to find out. 
now's the time to find out. And so I am still on the Will Benson hype train. He's still my favorite player in the history of the world. Will Benson. I like Will Benson even more than the sitcom Benson starring Robert Guillaume from the Ooh. 80s. That's, that's, a that's saying a lot. That's a deep cut there. But Webster, you like that? You remember, you remember the show Webster? Was that before your time? <laughs> I remember Webster. that it existed. Emmanuel Lewis and then Alex Karras, former football player, who may have a relative that has something to do with Cincinnati. All right. Um, so Will Myers was only uh, has been placed on the injured list. That's the last roster movie. I guess we need to talk about the Reds. Call it Will Benson. Fernando Cruz activated. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Kevin. Kevin. Do we have Kevin Herget or Jimmy Herget now? I can't ever remember. No, it's Kevin. Um, he was bad tonight. He stunk. But the, the the bullpen's been mostly okay and. Uh, Alexis Diaz is great, and I don't know what else we need to say about the. It's been a fun week. I don't know. It's been I, so fun. much, <laughs> so much fun. And we got quick. Got to touch on this real quick. We have a big, big four game set against Milwaukee coming up. Uh, I think the three back in the division with the four against the first place team. So I don't expect the Reds to win the Central, but I can certainly get optimistic and throw some wishes and some dreams out there that the Reds take three or four and get into this, get into the mix a little bit. Yeah. The Reds were uh, three back before today and the, and they, the Brewers also lost today. So they're still three back and uh, boy, again, I don't believe in this team. Nobody believes in this team, but man, I, I want to see a sweep just for the chaos that it causes. Uh, in the central and for people, people are going to lose their minds. It'd be great. Yeah. I just, I love it. So, um, viewer mail, or should we just, uh, maybe our weekly Reggie Sanders belongs to the Reds hall of fame. Uh, maybe we'll, I don't know, unless you have something quick you want to say about it, we can maybe leave that to, um, the riverfront newsletter, chaddawson.com go. Cause that's what I wrote about this, uh, this week as well. Before my Joey Votto defense, why he belongs in the hall of fame is because he's ludicrous that he's not in the hall of fame. You want to do some viewer mail? Let's get in there. These questions, again, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy, where you two can support the uh, this crazy show. First question comes from our friend Joe Farsing, host of the Riverfront uh, Bengals show. Joe's question is, Nate, why do you hate your brother? Finally, which, I want to hear an answer to this. Which one? <laughs> Pick one. You hit them all. Pick one. You must be talking about Chad. Well, when I was younger, a lot of people don't know this. I'm actually uh, Chad's cousin, and his parents adopted me when I was I just a baby. I was left on his doorstep by uh, by my, my old high school professor, my old school professor, and they made me live underneath the stairs in a closet underneath the staircase. And one time. They were trying to deliver me letters, and my uncle wouldn't let me have them. And then I just wanted to be a wizard, Harry. I just wanted to be a wizard. Oh, shoot. Man, did I get my life confused for Harry Potter's again? That wasn't you. That wasn't always, you, Nate. I always do that. Uh, you were uh, more more like a hobbit growing up. <laughs> That's a whole different series. Um, I don't know why he hates me, but he didn't let me be on the, the baseball or the movie draft show, so screw, screw Nate. Um, watched a good movie this week. And I can't remember the name of it. It's a Netflix documentary. I don't know. Go to the newsletter, whatever. Um, <laughs> boy, it was, the, the girl in the picture is the name of it. It's on Netflix documentary. 
I won't say anything else because it'll spoil it. But man, alive, that was a good show. Um, what about Succession? Have you watched Succession? Oh, buddy, yes. I haven't, so don't spoil anything. But they, man, um, one, of, one of our brothers made, has been peppering my phone, just in love with the show. They, they landed they the plane. Land, they landed the plane about as well as they possibly could have. So that's a that's a must watch for me. It's a Pantheon TV show, top five of all time for sure, maybe even top three. Wow. I just finished the most recent season, the fifth season of a, of a series I've been watching, Nate. Have you seen this uh, show called Drive to Survive on Netflix? No. Very Formula One it. racing. Everybody says that if you watch it, you will become an F1 fan, which is why I refuse to watch it. I don't have time for another yeah. sport. Don't watch it because I'm watching F1 races now. Yes, Go Ferrari. Charles Leclerc. Go Ferrari. Screw Max Verstappen. Let me just say it. If you like Max Verstappen, unsubscribe to the show, never come back. We don't want you. We don't want you in the family. If you're in the Patreon family, get out. I hate you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I despise you. We have we have Arsenal football fans that I tolerate. Nathan Connor, I'm talking about you. But if you like Max Verstappen, you're out of here. Next question comes from Kyle Kapler. Oh, boy. Kyle's question made me mad, Nate. Yeah, me too. Love you, Kyle, but... I do too, and Kyle usually asks great questions, but this one pissed me off. Screw you, Kyle. Kyle probably likes Max Verstappen. Here's the question. Tyler Stevenson doesn't do anything well. Can you tell me that I'm wrong? Also, what do people see in Lucas Sims? He's very average. (sighs) First off, go ahead. Here's something Tyler Stevenson does well. Be very handsome. Oh my goodness, he's dreamy. Um, he he walks well. Takes a lot of walks. He does. Second on the team behind Jonathan Indy. Um, Tyler Stevenson has not been hitting well. It's been pretty bad. It seems like he's uh, not his timing or what. Something seems off. He's taking a lot of third strikes, lots and lots of third strikes, right down the middle too. But I have nothing but the utmost confidence that he is going to go on a two-month-long heater, and baseball's weird like that. At the end of the year, his normals will be where we expected them to be because he's a very good hitter. But it has been bad so far. He's been bad this year, without question. Yeah. But, you know, um, before this year, he he posted 3.8 wins above replacement in his career. He's been good. He's been good. Now, is he a superstar catcher? No. And this year he has been bad. There's there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's the first time he's been bad in his big league career. Um, I don't. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I've never been wrong before, but it's possible. But I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna trust everything I've seen from him before. I'm not worried about Tyler Stevens now. Lucas Sims. I, I'm sort of similar. I, I guess my question is, what do you want out of Lucas Sims? Um, first of all, this year we're only talking about 18. Uh, 18 games, um, 17 and a third innings. His ERA plus is 117. Yes, his ERA is 4.15. But with the exception of last year when he only pitched six and two-thirds innings, he's been an above-average pitcher every year he's been with the Reds. 2019, 2020, 2021, and and this year. Um, His career ERA plus plus for the Reds is 108. Now, yes, relievers, smaller sample, so that's not a, a, a perfect measure. It's a very rough measure of how good you've been. He's not a superstar. My 
goodness, what do you want? I mean, he's better than Ian Jabot. He's better than Kevin Hergett. He's cromulent. He's slightly better than cromulent. So, I don't know. Kyle, just go watch your Red Bull and Max Verstappen and 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 get back to ask us great questions next week because you, you kind of let us down this week, Kyle. We love you, but you, you kind of let us down this week. Was I too harsh on Kyle? Well, I do love Kyle. He's great. But Kyle's the one. Was that too harsh, Nate? Well, you know, we, we take our Tyler Stevenson slander pretty seriously. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, Seth Shaner. Seth's question is this. As I mentioned to Nate earlier in the week, I envision a place where prospect lovers, we call them prospect huggers here, and try-hard glue guy lovers convene, usually in harmony. That is until a prospect might take the place of a try-hard glue guy. Then it's complete chaos. Please tell me no one believes the reason Ellie De-, De La Cruz hasn't been called up is because the Reds want to see Kevin Newman play. Did you see some of this uh, discourse on the Twitters this week, Nate? I, I may have facilitated a good bit of it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What's going People, uh, go ahead. I don't even want to talk about it. I got two things to say, and I do have a pretty uh, – I'm going to rant about this one. This, is, this one got me pretty hot, too. First thing is – if the prospect lovers and the trial hard glue guy lovers want to convene in harmony, you know, it's, it's pride month. So they should, they should do that. Be happy. I support you. But this whole position battle nonsense with the young guys coming up and specifically Jonathan India, Kurt Herbstreet and C Trent Rosecrans were like battling it out on Twitter. I Crazy. posted a, a joke about should the uh, <laughs> Reds trade Ellie De La Cruz to build around Kevin Newman. And I had so many people asking if I was high, if I was an idiot, (laughs) if I was serious. It got heated out there on the Twitter webs. And I just got to ask, what are we doing? I want to focus on the Jonathan India part of this real quick, just because we're excited about these young guys, right? But I think we need to be clear about one thing. And I am loving, loving, loving this Reds team, this, you know, the, this quote-unquote playoff push that we're uh, we're all hoping for, it has far more to do with the NL Central being hot garbage than it does the Reds being good. I mean, the Reds are playing well, that's for sure, and way better than we ever expected. But people on the internet, out on the internet streets, are calling for their best player, their leader, to move positions because some kids who have a combined two and a half weeks of big league experience are maybe kind of, here and almost ready to take over. Listen, man, we, we know some of these guys are good. We know Jonathan India is good. We have two and a half seasons of evidence that I think we can claim pretty confidently he's at least good. We think Matt McLean is good, but even a CVS receipt isn't long enough to list all the names of promising young guys that were hot out the gates and then fizzled away into irrelevancy. You know, we're pretty darn sure that EDLC – Ellie is the second coming of Jesus Christ with Eric Davis floor and a Barry Bond ceiling or something like that. But the guy hasn't even seen a major league pitch. Can we just collectively, as Reds fans, pump the darn brakes? No. Let our best player play his position, which he's been playing better defensively as of late. Throw that out there. And the Reds should figure out the rest later. That's just it, man. Like, this is Jonathan India's team, whether we like it or not, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. 
But the Reds are playing a fun brand of baseball. He's setting that tone. We should sit back and enjoy the ride instead of having Twitter meltdowns over a team with a losing record, a negative run differential, and a plus 1,000 odds of winning the World Series. End of rant. Wow. That's it. End of rant. Seth, Uh, I'm sorry. You brought that out of me. Jonathan has got to move eventually. But today's not that day. And I enjoy watching Jonathan India play. I, I love watching John India play. Just uh, uh, he, you know, you know what he is, Nate. He's adorable. He is adorable. I don't know. This whole team they're just, they're just adorable. All right, Joey Gaditza from our from the land down under. No, that's not true. I don't remember where Joey Gaditza is from. But anyway, first off, shout out to our buddy Nathan Connor, one of our uh, family members at the uh, at the Patreon. He has two teams going to the finals: the Heat, Jimmy Butler's Heat. And the Panthers, the, I presume that's the Carolina Panthers or the Delaware Panthers. I don't know what sport we're talking about here. Best of luck with his recent run of red success. Will we hear Phil chime in anytime soon and take credit for it? Is he talking about Dr. Phil? Is he talking about Phil Hartman? Probably not Phil Hartman. Rest in peace, Phil Hartman. Um, Bill McNeil from News Radio, greatest sitcom ever. Uncle um, Uncle Phil? Uncle Phil, maybe, from the uh, the Fresh Prince. Um by the way, when we have a live show, Nate's going to do the uh, the Carlton dance from uh, from Fresh Prince. <laughs> when we, that's a live show. You have to be there for that. Um, <laughs> Phil Castellini. I don't think Phil Castellini is going to say anything ever again. I really think the Reds have finally learned their lesson. But what can he say now? You know, um, Joey's asking this question. We're going to hear him take credit for it. How can he? Because he had the slideshow to show us how the Reds could not compete. It's impossible. And are the Reds really competitive? Are they going to be competitive at the end of the season? Uh, probably not. But right now, they're three games out of first place. Let me see your slideshow there, Phil. <laughs> Get your PowerPoint ready for that one, Phil. <laughs> I love it. All right, last question, Nate. This is a good <laughs> one. And I have real questions about this one. So, uh, But we're running late, so we got to – but I want to talk about this. Hooper Powell. Hooper Powell, our buddy from Columbus. The Columbus, Ohio. Universe. I don't know how that works. Uh, there's some school there. Anyway, ha, 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 he said. I'll laugh at the Cubs and Cardinals records. Uh, okay, good. Speaking of laughter, and he was speaking of laughter, I killed it at my first open mic last night. Nice. By the way, who are your favorite comedians besides me? First of all, I got to ask this question. Hooper? Hooper, we met in real life. Hooper's a good guy. Did you really do an open mic? If so, I I didn't like you very much before. To be honest with you, I was a little bit turned off when we spoke. I just I didn't I didn't get the whole Hooper Pal experience. It was too nice, too yeah, pleasant to be around. Yeah, the Hooper Pal experience, by the way, saw him in Bonnaroo six years ago. So good. I've used that joke. So it's such a stupid joke. Anyway, Hooper Pal, did you really do an open mic? Because if so, I'm just telling you something. I'm extremely impressed. That takes that takes some stones, man, to get up there and mm-hmm. do an open mic because Nate and I can talk about comedy for the next hour because we're both mm-hmm. huge comedy fans, and, uh, and you know it's it's I've never in a million years would I ever do it, but it's worth in my mind. Maybe I should go do an open mic night and try it. No way, no, I can't do that. I'm not funny enough. It's hard. What comedians do is the it's the purest form of art to me. You stand up there with just a microphone. You have to bring emotion out of the people in the room. It's impossible. So, kudos to Hooper. That is what I wanted to say. Yeah. If you if you did that, 
I want to come to your open mic night because I'm going to cheer you because I think that's amazing. Same. Uh, so, so Nate, first question, when are you doing an open mic night? I would never, I could never, I don't <laughs> No. I don't, I don't have those cojones. No, no, absolutely not. So favorite comedians. That's the next question. And this is, again, this is something we can talk about forever. Um, who's your favorite? Who's the, who's the number one on your, your list? Cause you, this is something you're not talking about. We're actually going to see some comedy, some live comedy mm -hmm. tomorrow. Right. We are indeed. Um, we're going to see some comedy tomorrow. We got another show three weeks after that. Um, yeah. My Who are we going to see tomorrow? Is it, is it tomorrow? Is we're going to see Dan Soder. Oh no! Oh, I thought it was I thought it was Richard Pryor. I'm confused. We uh, we just we just missed it. <laughs> um, the next one we're going to see is Shane Gillis. By the way, so I'm really really Hilarious. pumped about yeah. both of those. My favorites. Um, it's hard to I've like so many. It's hard to nail one down. I would say that the comedians that have made me laugh the most are probably either Bill Burr or Dave Chappelle. Um, both of them are kind of, I don't know, they're unassailable, at least from a comedic standpoint. Right. Um, David Tell is up there. Legend. Um, if we're look, talking about younger, younger generation, newer generation, I saw Mark Norman live and I... We did. We... We did, yes. Yeah. And Richard makes great shows. And he had me in stitches the whole time. Yeah. I'm going to say um, number one for me is probably Tom Segura right now. Yeah. Yeah. Segura's the guy been on a, Yeah. He's been on a heater for like four years. Go to Netflix. He's on Netflix. Um, and Mark Norman is, I don't think he has one on Netflix, but he's not part of that stand up show. He has, a, he has one set. And comedy. That's Mark Norman. If you've heard anybody go, <laughs> comedy. That's it. That's what that is. He's great. Um, <laughs> Spot on. I don't know that he's funny, but the only thing I can remember is him just saying that. Comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're you're right. I mean, Chappelle is by far whatever you think about whatever. I'm not going to into all that, but in terms of just being able to stand on a stage and weave comedy, uh, he's he's the. But I've never seen him live. Of the ones I've seen live in my lifetime, here's here's my. Favorite sir, and then I'll tell you who my current, I guess, favorite is. Um, I saw Mitch Hedberg live in Newport, Kentucky. Mm. Oh my goodness, it was a month before he overdosed. But Mitch Hedberg, if you don't know Mitch Hedberg, go watch him. I've seen um, Brian Regan. If you don't know mm. Brian Regan, and he's getting some age on him now, he's not exactly cutting edge anymore. But I, uh, live, I've seen him a couple times, and my goodness, just amazing. Um, I haven't seen, you know, I like John Mulaney. You know, people, your opinion varies. People's opinions vary on him, but he's funny. I've not seen him live, but he's funny. The guy I like now more than any, probably, and I want to see him live, and I'm hoping to get, get to here in the next little bit, is Nate Bergazzi. Mm -hmm. um, Nate Bergazzi is uh, hey, sort of in the in the mold of uh, of Regan a little bit. Um, sort of a clean comic. Not that that's what I'm looking for. But he, but if you can be a clean comic and do it right, yeah. it takes talent. His, his bits are just They're tight. Yeah, I locked in. He's so good. We yeah. just missed him. He also came to town, and both yeah. of us were just too busy to make it. I regret that one big time. Yeah, Chris Rock was here not too long ago. I wish we could have seen him. I mean, there's so Seinfeld many ones coming soon. Ooh, well, he's the all-time kink. Um, so, but Segura's well, a good one. Tom Segura's yeah, got, a good one. I got to see him live. It was for mine and my wife's anniversary. Um, 
back we celebrated a different anniversary because we weren't married yet. And I got I got his tickets and like I, I just got him spur of the moment, like several months before the show, didn't even really think about it and didn't even know where we were sitting. And then we showed up right as his set was beginning. Like he'd already been stepped out on stage and being cheered for. And the usher, because all the lights are off, lead us up and we are front row. We are right there. Just left the center so he didn't target us for anything, but it was it, it's the best show I've ever seen for sure. Yeah. Um, again, we, we got, we got to get out of here, but, uh, I've only been there once, but we went to the comedy cellar in New York and, um, saw, uh, Gary Goldman. I don't know if you know Gary Goldman, but just absolutely hilarious. Aziz Ansari, he wasn't, he, he walked on, he wasn't supposed to be there. He was, he was funny. Um, we were center and I did get ragged on the whole night, but it was, it's all in good fun. So whatever. Um, yeah, looking forward to Dan Soder tomorrow. Never seen him uh, live, obviously, so that'd be fun. Uh, but uh, comedy, and, but kudos to Hooper Powell, man. That yeah. takes some absolute stones to do that. And when he does it again, I want to be in the. I want to be in the room. I'll be in the room where it happens. Cool. All right, Nate. For you. There you go. What else is happening around the riverfront, Nate? Um, go check out the riverfront Bengals show. Joe and Greg still doing great things. They uh, covered the Bengals Ring of Honor this week and uh took some viewer mail questions as well love watching their community grow been really impressed with that i think tim daniel over late night res who we talked about earlier is going to kind of take that ring of honor conversation and bring it to the reds talking about which numbers reds fans would like to see retired next if any um other than that go buy some merch we got a little merch up there i don't remember the website address it's something weird because i'm really bad at websites but uh you know <laughs> sound off in the comments i'll let you know the website's <laughs> riverfrontcincy.com you can get there and sort it out there you go you'll find the store there if you want to all right thanks to everyone for listening to and supporting the riverfront honestly um here's what i would ask you tell your friends if, if you like the show talk about us as always say. if you don't like us Shut up. But the, the way to grow a, show, a podcast is to talk about it. Word of mouth is really the best way. And maybe some people even say the only way to grow a show. Talk about us. Tell people about us if you, if you enjoy us. Um, please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your uh, favorite podcast app. You can find us, if you if you like these sorts of things, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Riverfront Sensi. We're at Riverfront Sensi on all those platforms. And uh, again, I just a huge thank you to our supporters at, at patreon.com slash riverfront sensi. A couple bucks a month. Come join the conversation if you want. You don't have to. This show's free. Well, it's going to continue to be free. We do have some good stuff. And we do have a, a Patreon members only show uh, at least once a month that we, we do. But um, come join the hijinks if you want and go to patreon.com slash riverfront sensi or click the link in the show notes. Nate, this was fun, buddy. Loved it. Go Reds. Go red. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto, Wayne Krenchicki, and Eli Cash for Nate Dotson and Jeff Branson. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>